This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello, my name is Dr. Bradford Bow, and I am a co-deputy director of the Research Institute of Irish and Scottish Studies, which is sponsoring this new series of podcasts entitled 525 Years in the Pursuit of Truth, a new history of the University of Aberdeen. In this episode, my colleague, Dr. Richard Anderson, who is a lecturer in the history of slavery at Aberdeen University, will examine the life and influence of the Reverend James Ramsey, who was uh, an alumnus of King's College and then went on to become an Anglican minister and a ship's surgeon and ultimately a pioneering abolitionist. Dr. Anderson explores Ramsey's anti-slavery convictions, which were born out of the experience of 15 years as a preacher and then as a medical attendant to the enslaved population of the island of St. Christopher. Dr. Anderson focuses this study on Ramsey's abolitionist tracts of 1784 through to 1787, which were the most influential publications in the years leading up to abolitionism before it became an organized movement. The famed abolitionist Thomas Clarkson's 1808 history of the abolition of the African slave trade included a remarkable allegorical map. The map depicted streams becoming rivers becoming a large body of water. The map was Clarkson's visual representation of British abolitionism as so many springs and rivulets which assisted in making and swelling the torrent which swept away the slave trade. Each spring and rivulet bore the name of individuals and organizations whom Clarkson had deemed influential forerunners and coadjutors of British slave trade abolition. The map bore the names of two associates of the University of Aberdeen's predecessor institutions, James Beattie, Professor of Moral Philosophy at Marshall College, and the Reverend James Ramsey, an Anglican priest and ship surgeon educated at King's College between 1749 and 1753. James Ramsey's biographer, the Nigerian historian Fuller and Shylon, subtitled his 1977 study of Ramsey as the unknown abolitionist. In recent decades, historians have restored Ramsey among the important abolitionist forerunners of Clarkson's map. Christopher Leslie Brown's influential study of the origins of British abolitionism, Moral Capital, presented Ramsey as an instrumental figure in the decades before abolitionism became an organized movement. Tracing the genealogy of abolitionist thought, Brown and others have delineated Ramsey's intellectual influence on Thomas Clarkson, William Wilberforce, and other abolitionists who are far from unknown. Ramsey's role in the burgeoning abolitionist movement of the latter 18th century was born out of experience of 15 years as a preacher and medical attendant to the enslaved population of the island of St. Christopher, today better known as St. Kitts. His publications in the 1780s interwove first-hand observations, political economic theory, and religious injunction against slavery. 
Ramsey's arguments were not entirely novel, nor were they the most revolutionary among anti-slavery writers. As with the majority of those who wrote out against slavery at this time, Ramsey was a gradualist. Yet, despite the conservatism inherent in his writing, perhaps no other abolitionist faced such a sustained counteroffensive from pro-slavery constituencies. In this podcast, I want to first trace Ramsey's development as an abolitionist from Aberdeen to St. Kitts, then to situate his influential 1784 essay on the treatment and conversion of African slaves in the British sugar colonies within a broader corpus of abolitionist writing. And finally, to consider the legacy of Ramsey's ideas over the ensuing half-century to when emancipation was finally achieved within the British Empire. James Ramsey was born in 1733 in Fraserburg, a small town in Aberdeenshire. From a respectable but not affluent family, he first studied at a Scottish grammar school before pursuing studies to become a clergyman. His father died quite young, and with the family circumstances reduced, James resolved to study surgery. In 1749, Ramsey also entered King's College as an art student, winning the annual bursary for the candidate who displayed the most accurate knowledge of Latin. Ramsey graduated as Master of Arts in 1753, and after further studies in London, he entered the Royal Navy as an assistant surgeon. It was at sea that Ramsey first witnessed the realities of colonial slaving. As surgeon on the ship Arundel, the crew encountered a slave ship en route from Africa to the West Indies, on which dysentery had swept away much of the enslaved crew and the ship's surgeon. Ramsey visited the ship and the Africans imprisoned on board. Returning to his vessel, he fell and broke his thigh bone, leaving him lame for the rest of his life. When the Arundel reached the island of St. Christopher, Ramsey resolved to take holy orders. He was admitted into orders by the Bishop of London and immediately returned to St. Christopher. Ramsey soon earned the ire of the island's plantocracy for preachings of the enslaved. He set aside particular hours for church services and hours when Africans could visit his, him at home. Planters soon feared that he aimed at making of them Christians to render them incapable of being good slaves. In 1763, Ramsey married a daughter of a planter of the best family connections in the island. As there was no medical practitioner in his part of the island, Ramsey tended to the medical care of the enslaved. His profession and his marriage both made him witness to slavery and the slave trade on St. Kitts. As he later explained to the Privy Council investigating the slave trade, my brother-in-law was a guinea factor and a desire for information led me to, from time to time, attend the sales and to enter into conversation with the Guinea captains at his house. Ramsey observed how slave factors separated the Africans into three sets, the healthy, well-assorted or prime slaves, the puny and ill-sorted, and the emaciated, sickly or refuse slaves. After the sorting, the captain would attempt to hide as many of the refuse among the prime as possible though the former often died soon after. Still, Ramsey did not shy away from slavery. His household had black servants, of whose identity and status little is known. Yet the conclusion he drew from his experiences were clear. 
Slavery, especially as practiced in the British Caribbean, was an unnatural state of oppression on one side and of suffering on the other. Ramsey remained on St. Kitts for 15 years, the constant target of planter acrimony. After he served as a chaplain in the Royal Navy during the American Revolution, he returned to England in 1781 with his wife and family. He became vicar of Thiessen and rector of Nettlestead in Kent. In Kent, he became associated with a network of well-heeled evangelical Anglican social reformers. This included his neighbors and patrons, Sir Charles and Lady Middleton, who encouraged him to unearth and revise a memorial he had written for the better treatment of the enslaved. In 1784, Ramsey published two tracts, an essay on the treatment and conversion of African slaves in the British sugar colonies, and an inquiry into the effects of putting a stop to the African slave trade and of granting liberty to the slaves in the British sugar colonies. Ramsey's publications had evolved over many years. He had begun work on his manuscript in 1768, completed an initial draft of the essay in 1771, extended it further by 1776, then abandoned the text for several years. The text began in 1768 as a detailed plan to facilitate the religious instruction of enslaved Africans in the sugar colonies. By the completion of the first draft in 1771, Ramsey had reached the conclusion that only state intervention, legal protection for the enslaved, and provisions for limited civil rights would facilitate the spread of Christianity in the slave quarters. The 1770s saw the publication of the first abolitionist tracts that went beyond condemning slavery, offering the first proposals for what an empire without slaves might look like. Ramsey presented his own vision of a post-slavery Caribbean and laid out a scheme of gradual emancipation that proved influential. At the core of his proposal was the insistence that plantation owners in the West Indies had a responsibility to the spiritual and cultural education of their enslaved populations. He hoped that a program of incremental reform would show planters that there was a profit in kindness. Far from a call for immediate emancipation, he hoped that enslavers would gradually and voluntarily take steps to manumit their enslaved people. British abolitionists had stressed that slaveholding was antithetical to the national character. But Ramsey was one of a number of growing voices to focus attention on the natural liberty of Africans. Had nature intended Africans for slavery, Ramsey argued, she would have endowed them with many qualities which they now want. Their food would have needed no preparation, their bodies no covering. They would have been born without any sentiment for liberty. Ramsey disagreed with another Scot of his age, David Hume, who subscribed to the idea of polygenesis, the idea that Africans and Europeans were members of two separate species. Ramsey replied that, that there is any essential difference between the Europeans and African mental powers, as far as I, my experience has gone, I positively deny. Africans and Europeans were not distinct races, but originated from one common parent. Differences in physical features or differences in natural capacity between Europeans and Africans were, to Ramsey, due to different workloads and nu nutritional deficiencies both within Africa and on the plantation. Ramsey believed that through Christian teaching 
enslaved Africans in the colonies could be placed on par with Europeans in terms of innate humanity, if not civilization. To achieve this end, Ramsey called for the construction of churches across West Indian sugar estates. Religious principles were essential to teaching enslaved people to become a good member of society. Ramsey held the paternalistic view common among abolitionists that black freedom needed to be gradual and guided. Such at present is the ignorant, helpless condition of far greater part of the slaves, wrote Ramsey, that full liberty would be no blessing to them. Ramsey saw slavery as corrupting to both enslaver and enslaved. He had seen too much on St. Christopher to believe the planter claims that self-interest alone would prevent the abuse of the enslaved. Ramsey did offer more pointed critiques of the planter class than other pamphleteers of his time. He criticized the common practice of absentee plantation ownership. The practice was, for him, an abrogation of responsibility among planters who had determined it better to employ perhaps dissipated, careless, unfeeling young man, or a groveling, lascivious old bachelor. Indifferent absentee owners and callous overseers meant overwork, undernourishment, and shockingly low fertility and high mortality. Living among their human property, Ramsey presumed, would force planters to internalize the humanity of the enslaved and moderate their working conditions. If enslavers could not be entrusted to act humanely, Ramsey argued that colonial law must compel them to do so. He found extant colonial legislation hopelessly wanting. It did not know of a single clause in all of our colony acts enacted to secure to them the least humane treatment or to save them from true capricious cruelty of an ignorant, unprincipled master or a more off, unfeeling overseer. He contrasted this legislative void with the French Code Noir and concluded that the English have not paid the least attention to enforce by a law either humanity and injustice, as these may respect their slaves. Ramsey advocated legal reform, not immediate legal emancipation. British slavery critics accepted the need to sustain the productivity of colonial plantations, and Ramsey did not foresee his plan as undermining sugar production. Drawing on Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, Ramsey urged slaveholders to consider the state of workers in free country who execute in the same time thrice the labor of slaves. He was firmly of opinion that a sugar plantation might be cultivated to more advantage and at much less expense by laborers who were free men than by slaves. Ramsey published his essay at a critical juncture in the history of abolitionist advocacy in the years prior to the establishment of an organized abolitionist movement. In June 1783, just months after the conclusion of the American War of Independence, the Religious Society of Friends presented a petition to the House of Commons calling for the abolition of the traffic in enslaved Africans. Over the following months, a smaller group of friends composed and published abolitionist texts to distribute as pamphlets. Ramsey seized this opportunity to put his experiences in print. He began challenging slavery during a period in which Britain's commerce in humans had reached its peak and was more essential than ever to the proper functioning of the British Atlantic economy. The 
renowned historian of abolition, Seymour Drescher, has described Ramsey's work as the most important anti-slavery tracts published between 1783 and 1787, the key years spanning the loss of the 13 colonies to the foundation of the Society for Effecting the Abolition of the Slave Trade in London. Ramsey's publications in this period once again established him as an adversary to the planter class. His work sparked a firestorm of controversy and spurred a series of polemical exchanges in a renewed period of pamphlet writing. Many previous anti-slavery pamphleteers had never seen a sugar plantation or visited the West Indies. Ramsey's credentials were less easily dismissed. The first rebuttals came within months of the publication of his essay in the form of a pamphlet composed by authors who identified themselves only as some gentlemen of St. Christopher. They accused Ramsey of misrepresenting those Britons he had lived amongst in the Caribbean. The tract combined damage control over planter image with personal criticisms of Ramsey. Islanders wrote of Ramsey's poor performance as minister on the island, his slave ownership, and that he had sold rather than manumitted his enslaved. A second response, prompting a more active exchange, came from James Tobin, late of His Majesty's Council in the island of Nevis. Writing under the pseudonym, A Friend to the West India Colonies and Their Inhabitants, Tobin published his cursory remarks upon the Reverend Mr. Ramsey's essay in 1785. Tobin questioned Ramsey's motivation as an ardent desire of popularity. He held that Ramsey had misrepresented colonial law and the treatment of the enslaved. Worse still, he had praised the French Code Noir and the slave-keeping practices of a rival nation. Over the next two years, Ramsey and his detractors exchanged rebuttals in what became a battle of representation over the nature of West Indian slavery. Ramsey's work provoked detractors, but also inspired admirers. One admirer was the 25-year-old Thomas Clarkson, then completing his studies at St. John's College, Cambridge. Clarkson's own famous treatises drew upon Ramsey's arguments while adding empirical evidence of the horrors of the slave trade. Ramsey published in the 1780s, the decades in which a wide swath of working and middle-class Britons came to see slavery as a national sin. He died in 1789, at a moment when organized abolitionism in Britain was making significant inroads. The abolition of the slave trade took a further two decades to achieve, delayed in particular by the wars with revolutionary France and the rise of Napoleon. Ramsey did not live to see the abolition of the slave trade pass through British Parliament, but his ideas remained current in the 26-year period between the abolition of the slave trade in 1807 and of colonial slavery in 1833. In 1803, his friend Beale B. Porteous, the Bishop of London, recalled that the discussion created by Ramsey's essay contributed perhaps more than any other to the parliamentary inquiry into the slave trade. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.